Welcome back to the Bebo University podcast. This week, I'm going to talk a little bit about college readiness. I've had a few seniors indicating to me that they are growing more concerned that they are not ready for their incoming fall semester. Are you having these conversations with students? Are you making those in your admissions office aware of them? And what about your college community at large? Are you having these conversations as a university? Let's talk about this a little bit on this week's episode of the Bebo University podcast. I'm so glad you're back and I hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody, welcome back. The Bebo University podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Branch, reporting to you live from the tail ends of February. What a strange month February is. And it's not just February 2021. It's every February, every single one that's ever existed. It's weird. And I, I think it's because of a couple of different reasons. For one, we know calendar wise, it's the shortest month. Even in a leap year, it's still the shortest month that will always be the shortest month. But it's anything from short. It, it always feels like it's you're just trudging through it. And especially growing up in the Northeast, it was always like, oh, my God, like if I can just get through February, March gives me a little a little hope that I'm getting closer to warmer weather. So, you know, the climate piece of it for for me being from the Northeast is part of that. But once I started working in college admission, I may argue that February is the hardest month to get through. And I think this is the case whether you're on the college side of college admission or on a high school side. It is a beast. It packs a punch. And there are a lot of different reasons for that. For one, February falls victim to where it falls on the calendar. It falls right behind January. And January is the most misleading month that there is. January is a month that people the world over, they can't wait to see it. They can't wait till it gets here because they believe it offers them a fresh start, a chance to renew oneself. A lot of people believe it gives them the opportunity to leave bad traits, bad breakups, and bad diet choices behind. Oh, January, I love you. It can cure anything, even COVID-19. Yes, you may remember. There were many people out there that were acting like, pretending like, come January 2021, everything bad that transpired in the prior year was just going to disappear, right? It was all over my social media feeds. People like, oh, I can't wait till January. This year has been terrible. Bring on the new year. As if the new year is some type of talisman that gets rid of all the terrible things that have happened the year before. January is a fraud. My entire life, I'm going to be honest with you. I've never put personal stake in the month of January. It's never meant anything to me. Never. This is probably largely to the fact that my parents never put stake in it. Like they never lied to me about the new year being new beginnings and all that. My parents are like, it's just, it's another month. Thank you, mom and dad. I've never gotten caught up in the hype of January. All January has ever meant to me personally is from grade school, it meant that I had to put some new digits at the top of my construction paper when I was in class. And as an adult, it just means my taxes are coming due, my real estate taxes and all that stuff type type of stuff again. Oh, goody, goody. Thank you, January. Right. Outside of that, it, it doesn't mean anything to me. 
But a lot of people put so much stake in January. And I'm not criticizing or judging, right? Because, you know, it's often probably just a device that people use to get excited about what's ahead, right? And that's that's fine. But this January in particular, it set February up bad, right? Because people were acting like COVID was going to be gone once January 1 hit. And what happened? Well, coronavirus rates went up. <laughs> Our newfound resolve to lose weight and get in shape went down. University budget crunches became more realistic and they tightened. And our yield anxieties on the college side significantly gained steam. As we continue to look at these FAFSA completion rates, data that's coming out of the Common App, my goodness, there are going to be a lot of universities out here potentially not meeting their enrollment goals for their incoming class. It's scary. But there's something else about February outside of these things that always makes it interesting to me. Ever since I started working in admission, I realized that February is a pretty pivotal month for a couple of different reasons, just in terms of admissions duties. For for one, I found that this was an incredibly, incredibly important month for me to keep my energy up because this is when that crossing over really starts to happen between juniors who are interested in your school for the following year and seniors that you're still trying to yield, right? So it just became important with all of the new junior programming that pops up and things like that. I always knew like I got to conserve energy or I'm just going to have to get more rest because this is a tough month to get through. It also presents challenges because students, the, the current seniors especially, things start to get a lot more real. For them. See, my favorite month of the year is actually September. I you could probably say September is my January, to be honest. Because that is when I feel like things are at like their freshest point. I've en- enrolled my class, hopefully, with my team at Penn State, and we're looking at the past year. We say, hey, what did we do well? What do we need to improve on? You know, and hopefully by the time the census data at Penn State is reported, hopefully it means that we actually met our enrollment goals, right? Because you never know <laughs> until those students show up and and, <laughs> and uh, pay deposits and all that type of stuff, right? So hopefully that's proved to be good to to my staff, and then we can prep for the next year. And September is also when students are at their like fully optimistic mode. I I love it, right? Because although no students there aren't any students who have received offers of admission yet. There also aren't any students who received denial letters yet either. So September is awesome. There's full blown optimism. Every conversation with a student is fantastic. Parents are just at their most delightful. I love September, but now we're here in February and the mood shifts because a lot of seniors have, a pretty good indication of how the chips fell for them, right? Unless they are still waiting around for a lot of the highly selective schools to make their decisions, and those won't come out until March or April, most of our seniors know where they got in and where they didn't get in at this point. And they may still be waiting for one or two decisions, right? But it becomes a lot more clear to them. So a lot of the conversations you have with students in February, they're a lot more pointed. Right. And and I find the seniors are asking me the things that really matter to them at this point that are, are going to lead to their decisions. And that's because 
of the offers that they have and the denials they have, but also because most of the time their financial aid packages are hitting their mailboxes and their inboxes for their email. So they, they're starting to see like where the chips lie as far as that's concerned. And in this month, I'm always reminded of the importance of communication. Communication as an admissions team, communication amongst your university community as a whole regarding the incoming class, and communication with students. Why? Well, based off of some of the conversations I have with students in February, it impacts how my team responds to those questions and then also informs us as to whether or not we need to bring the larger university community in on these conversations. And I'm going to give you a perfect example. Recently, I've heard from a few seniors who are growing more and more nervous about their personal college preparedness. Now, there's something interesting about this group of students that I've heard from recently. They're not average students. They're not students who got in by the hair of their chinny chin chin. These are incredibly talented academic students. They have unbelievable high school performances. They've maximized a lot of the rigor that their high schools have made available to them. If they tested, they tested really well. And these are the students who are coming to me right now and saying, Jeremy, honestly, I don't know that I'm ready for college. And I'm surprised. I'm not shocked, but I'm, I'm surprised. I'm not shocked because we knew, and we've been reading a lot about this, and there have been conversations happening everywhere. We knew that the gaps in education are real in the COVID era. We know that. And, and I have a, a young one right down the hallway from me right now involved in his schooling, and it's not going well. And I've had conversations with juniors this year who have said, Jeremy, what do I do? How am I going to present myself when I have really struggled virtually, right? But a lot of these seniors are now finally coming forward and expressing the same thing to me now. They're really worried about their transition to college. And it's made me once again realize how important communication is, not just right now being accessible to seniors, but are you as an admissions counselor bringing this information back to your office? And this is an especially big challenge this year because if you're still like me and in my group, we're remotely working still, right? We haven't all returned to the office. And so keeping communication lines open is extremely important right now. And you have to, if you're having these conversations with students, even in a regular year where you're all on campus, if you're a counselor hearing these things, you got to bring it back to your office because you may be the first in your office to have these real conversations with students. And so at your next office meeting, if you're hearing these things too or other concerns that students are having, don't forget to communicate that to the rest of your team. This includes your directors, your VPs, right? Like if you're an admissions counselor and you just come out of a couple of these meetings with students virtually, make sure you inform your director about them. Your director is obviously a great professional. They, they have a lot of knowledge, but our directors, our VPs, our deans, a lot of times they have that 30,000 foot view that we need them to have, but they don't always have those day-to-day down in the dirt conversations with students, right? You're having those as admissions counselors. Make sure you keep them informed as to what's on the minds of students. 
you deans and directors and VPs, take that information. If it seems like it's not just more of a coincidence, but you start to see a trend, don't forget to communicate this to the university community at large, okay? Because I'm finding a lot of administrations, from what I'm, I'm hearing and the conversations I'm having with folks from different, different colleges, a lot of administrations right now are focusing a ton of their attention on the current enrolled students, right? And, and you get it. it. Obviously, that's an area of concern because a lot of students struggled at our colleges and universities in the fall, right? It did not go well for a lot of kids, a lot of students. And so our university communities are trying to figure out, okay, how do we bridge those gaps that our currently enrolled students have in their education? And that is important. But our university communities cannot ignore the educational gaps that our incoming students are going to have, too. And this is where admissions offices become incredibly critical to the university community at large because we are the ones who have these conversations and we have to let the other folks know in advising, in academic affairs, so on and so forth, that these things are on the minds of students. Because our orientation has to account for it. Our freshman seminars have to account for it. And even the way that our faculty members develop curriculum and deliver curriculum, it has to account for this, guys. It has to, because our students are lacking some key confidence. They're lacking some of the knowledge that they normally would have coming into like a physics 211 at Penn State. You know, an engineering student might, in, in a normal year, take the placement test, enter at physics 211, and they're hitting the ground running moving forward in their engineering program. But this year, that student might have gaps in their in their understanding and their education, and they're not going to be at the same place that prior classes have been. Are you talking about this at your college or university? I know a number of schools are. I know there are some of you out there like, Jeremy, dude, we're, we're so far ahead of you, and that's awesome. I'm, I'm really glad to hear that. But for those who aren't openly having these conversations, make sure you're bringing this up in your meetings, in your leadership teams, and amongst your admissions offices and things of that nature as well. I know I'm making a point of doing that right now. Um, one of the things I love about being at my campus for so long, 15 years, is I don't necessarily have to go through my director or my supervisor to have these conversations with the larger community, I can contact our director of academic affairs directly. I can talk to my chancellor directly about it. I can talk to our head of advising, Robin Stokes, directly about it, right? And, and that's in part because I've been there for so long and I serve on a lot of committees with these people. So they know me as a professional. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of my job. But not all of us have that ability, right? So if you don't have that ability to just walk in the office of your director of academic affairs, just make sure you're letting people know who are in the proper communication line so that that message can eventually make it to the people who really need to know about it. Because I want to make sure that we are all doing our best by those incoming students who come in because they're nervous. They are really nervous and rightfully so. Keep those communication lines open with students, with your colleagues in your admissions office, and with your university community at large.
Thank you for tuning in once again to the Bebo University podcast this week. It means a lot. Don't forget to rate the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on. I have to grow the podcast a little bit more so other people can benefit from some of the things we're talking about here. And don't forget to tell your friends, your colleagues, students in your building, parents, whoever you think could benefit from the things I'm talking about here. Uh, send them my way. I would greatly appreciate it. If you want to reach out on social media, you can find me at uh, jbranchpsu on Twitter, the Bebo University pod via Instagram. And if you want to send an email with feedback or different topics you'd like me to talk about in future episodes, uh, feel free to email me, bebopodcast at gmail.com. I also, in a few episodes from now, would like to do an Ask Me Anything type of podcast. So if you have questions that you'd like me to address or answer on the podcast, feel free to send them to me through Twitter, Instagram, through Gmail at BeboUPodcast at gmail.com as well. I think it'll be a fun episode. Anything's on the table. Okay. Anything you want to talk about, send me your questions and we'll have a fun, fun time, right? I might even get one of my friends to moderate that discussion. So that'll, that'll be a lot of fun too. But thank you so much for engaging and tuning into the podcast. Stay safe, stay masked up, and I'll talk to you soon.